You are listening to the sermon podcast of Nielsville Presbyterian Church, a Christ-centered church in Germantown, Maryland. To learn more about Nielsville, visit us online at nielsville.org. And Nielsville has a, a great fondness for and a long relationship with Centerville. We've, we've had joint retreats together. We actually, I don't know if you remember, one Sunday we traded pastors pastors, and Pastor Ron Bromhead, Rob Bromhead sat over here on a couch and talked about things. I don't know if you remember that. It was a wonderful service. Chris Hammond, we've gotten to know. He facilitated an elder and, and deacon retreat here uh, two, three weeks ago, and he was here when we celebrated our, our arrival in the eco-denomination. Um, so we've, we've gotten to know a lot of folks there, and today we get to know another one. Um, on his webpage, Stephen Heemstra describes himself as a slave of Christ, a husband, a father, a volunteer pastor, a writer, and a speaker. And we're pleased to have Stephen join us this morning. Stephen uh, worked for 27 years as an economist with the federal government with various agencies. He has a uh, doctorate in agricultural economics. But then in 2013, he got his Master's of Divinity from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. So he has become an occasional preacher and a volunteer pastor, as he says in his his description, a slave of Christ also, as as we should be. Stephen grew up in, in this general area, but he also spent summers as a child on his grandparents' farm in Iowa. Maybe that's where that agricultural interest comes in. Um, he's been married for 35 years. They have three adult children. He and his wife, Mary Ann. Um, and because, because we live in a multicultural area and because Stephen believes that the pastor needs to serve the entire community, he has focused on improving on his Spanish and serving in, in Hispanic ministry in the last decade. And um, he often preaches in Spanish um, he has his father, Stephen Heemstra, also with him this morning, and I, I suspect that it's a particular joy to be able to hear your son preach in English for a change, where maybe that's easier for us to understand. It's a great joy to have Stephen with us this morning. We will continue our summer in the Psalms, and Stephen will be preaching from Psalm 116. So if we could put that up on the slide, we will begin by reading Psalm 116 responsibly. I'll read and then you can reply in the bold text. Psalm 116, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy because he has. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Gracious is the Lord, and righteous. Our God is merciful. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I said in my alarm, 
all mankind are liars. I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Stephen, it's a joy to have you with us this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to our Summer in the Psalms series. Uh, my name is Steve Heemster, as was uh, mentioned before. Um, I am not Chris Hammond. Um, Chris was supposed to be with us this morning, uh, but his grandmother died this week, and, and so uh, I'm actually a substitute. This morning we focus on Psalm 116, which is a Thanksgiving psalm celebrating our salvation in the midst of a dangerous world. Uh, will you pray with me? Merciful Father, all praise and honor be to you, for you hear our prayers. Offer us uh, uh, salvation in the midst of dangerous times and bring us joy. We confess that we are not worthy of your afflictions, and we thank you for teaching us to love. In the power of your Holy Spirit, draw us to yourself now, open our hearts, illumine our thoughts, and uh, strengthen our hands in your service. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. What brings you joy? What brings you joy? In 2012, I worked in Providence Hospital as a seminary intern, and I chose to work in Carroll Manor, which is the lockdown um, Alzheimer's unit. There I met a man who I will call Albert. Albert would spend his days wandering up and down the halls in the lockdown unit. Albert um, would come up to you and he would try to speak, but he could only blather incoherently. Other patients could talk, Albert could only blather. Well, one. Friday afternoon, I decided I was going to take some patients to happy hour. Now, happy hour was mostly a punch and cookies affair, but um, they often brought in professional musicians to entertain the patients. So uh, I gathered up about a dozen uh, patients and headed towards the door. Uh, uh, one of those was also Albert. And one of the nurses came running up to me and said, Steve, Steve, where are you going? Well, we're going to happy hour. But Steve, you can only take three patients. So I, I shanghaied a, a couple of reluctant nurses, and we headed towards the door again. And again, the nurse came up to me and said, Steve, you can't take Albert. He'll wander off. Well, I'll keep a special eye on Albert. So I punched us out, and we took the elevator up uh, to happy hour. 
Well, we had a blast. The jazz, um, the jazz saxophonist that day was just wonderful. And all my patients got up and started dancing, uh, including Albert. Um, Alzheimer's patients have, always have fun, unlike other seniors, because they've forgotten how to be shy and embarrassed. Uh, well, but before the afternoon was up, Albert had danced with at least three women that I know of, and he was speaking in complete sentences. It was, it was, uh, it was a miracle. I, um, <laughs> his awakening lasted another six weeks that I know of. Well, if a little bit of joy can bring an absent-minded Alzheimer's patient back to earth, how much more can the joy of salvation in Jesus Christ heal human lives? So what brings joy to our psalmist today? Um, the psalmist's story is found in his first four verses. Hear the word of the Lord. I have loved the Lord because he's heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol lay hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. So what brings joy to the psalmist? Well, he says in verse 1, I love the Lord because he's heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. Actually, the underlying uh, Hebrew um, does not include the word Lord, and neither does the Septuagint Greek. It's part of the translation in English. The Hebrew simply reads, I loved because he first loved me. First heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. We hear an echo of this verse in the original Hebrew in John's first letter. Um, it says, we love because he first loved us. This is 1 John 4, chapter 19, verse 19. So why is the psalmist so excited? He says, because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. And he makes a vow here. I will call on him as long as I live. Well, this vow is interesting because if you pray this psalm, or you read this psalm, or you sing this psalm, as is the custom, you also take this vow. How many of us haven't taken such a vow? I certainly have. My call story begins in 1992. I found myself in Georgetown University Hospital praying over my son, uh, Reza, who was at that time 10 weeks old. You see, Reza was born with one kidney, and that kidney became blocked, and so he went into convulsions. And he needed emergency surgery. Well, God heard uh, my prayer. The surgery was successful. Today, my son is an engineer in Phoenix, Arizona, and I stand before you uh, as testimony to answered prayer. So why is the psalmist um, so excited about God listening to him? Verse 3 tells us three times, the snares of death encompassed me, the pangs of Sheol lay a hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. In other words, I was at, this, at the verge of death. Hell opened its doors to pull me in, and I was terrified. 
Verse 4 then completes uh, the loop and takes us back to verse 1. In verse 1 we hear, because he heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. In verse 4 we hear the psalmist's actual prayer. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Well, commentators believe um, that Psalm 116 is a crib notes version of Psalm 18. Uh, and if you want more um, details of David's uh, brush with death, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 22. Well, at this point, let me pivot and give a little of the backstory on the pattern that we see here in Psalm 116. Turn with me, if you will, to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 30, verses 1 to 3. Hear the word of the Lord. And when all these things come upon you, the blessings and the curses which I set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you, and return to the Lord your God, you and your children, and obey his voice in all I command you today, with all your heart and with all your soul. Then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have mercy on you, and he will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. This is Deuteronomy 30, verses 1 to 3. Theologians refer to this uh, brief passage as the Deuteronomic cycle. And the cycle has four parts. We sin, we uh, earn the curse under the law, in this case the Mosaic Covenant. We cry out to the Lord, and the Lord hears our prayer and redeems us. Well, this pattern is found throughout the Bible, but it's especially clear in the book of Judges. And probably the, the most famous story is the story of Gideon. If you turn to Judges 6 and 7, we read in verse 1, the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. Okay, so here, here we hear uh, the sin that was, that was done. They did evil in the sight of the Lord, and we hear the curse. People of Israel are given over to serve the Midianites, which in ancient times that meant they were conquered and enslaved, basically. So then scrolling down to verse 6, we read, Israel is brought very low because of Midian, and the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. So this is the crying out part. Following down to verse 11, we read, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat while Gideon was beating out wheat in a winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Now this is God working through his agent, Gideon, to bring about the salvation of Israel. Gideon organized an elite team of 300 men to oppose an army described by the, the, by the, the author of, of, of Judges as too numerous to, to number, like locusts on the land. And in a dream, God told Gideon to arm his men with trumpets and torches. <laughs> trumpets and torches against an army. But they attacked the Midianites in the middle of the night. They blew the horns. They displayed their, their torches. And the Midianites, startled from sleep, 
get up and start slaughtering each other. And this is how God saved Israel from the Midianites. Interestingly, the Deuteronomic cycle usually applies to the nation of Israel as a whole and brought salvation from oppression. Following the pattern in Psalm 18, however, Psalm 116 applies salvation to the individual rather than the nation. The individual rather than the nation. Note also that the Deuteronomic cycle starts with the commissioning of sin or the commission of sin. The curses of Deuteronomy in chapter 28 are a consequence of disobeying the Mosaic Covenant. Thus, the cycle once again can be summarized as committing sin, earning the curse under the law, crying out to the Lord, and being redeemed. Our redemption in Christ follows this very same pattern. We sin, we get into trouble, we ask for forgiveness, Christ offers us redemption. The key to understanding this parallel is to see sin as a form of oppression. Sin as a form of oppression. We all experience besetting sins, addictions small and great that we cannot shake on our own. If gluttony is one of the seven deadly sins, it is also a besetting sin. It can destroy our self-esteem, ruin our health, and undermine our relationships with other people. Just like the Midianites oppressed Israel, we can be oppressed by besetting sins, and we need to cry out to the Lord for forgiveness and redemption. Thus, Psalm 116 personalized the Deuteronomic cycle and directly anticipated the New Testament and our salvation in Jesus Christ. In fact, if Jesus and the disciples sang Psalm 116, after the Last Supper, which was the custom uh, after the Passover meal, then they also took this very same vow. And in the resurrection, Jesus experienced God's deliverance, as the Apostle Paul describes in his letter to the Colossians. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent, for in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. This is Colossians 1, verses 18 and 19. So my friends, what brings you joy? What brings you joy? Let's pray. Merciful Father, thank you for listening to us, forgiving our sins, rescuing us in perilous times, and bringing joy to our lives. Be now with us as we return to our homes and work. In Jesus' precious name, amen.